Coffee Break is a live production of KCHU Public Radio. Viewpoints expressed on the program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station and its underwriters. Opinions and different perspectives are welcome on the show. If you would like to be or suggest a guest, email coffeebreak at kchu.org or call 835-4665. Your participation in Coffee Break is encouraged. Callers to the show are not screened and comments are considered sincere. And just to do a phone check, Rebecca, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, perfect. So we're live right now. So we'll be right back with Coffee Break. This is Coffee Break. We're joined by Rebecca Sofer this morning. Rebecca, good morning. Good morning, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. I got my coffee right here. Okay, cool. I got my coffee, so I hope everybody listening, 7.70 a.m. Valdez, we got our coffee. We're ready to take a break. So, news peg, yesterday, August 30, was National Grief Awareness Day. Today, Wednesday, August 31, we're joined by Rebecca Sofer, CEO of the company Modern Loss. She's also the co-author of the book Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome. It was published in 2018. And she's also the author of Modern Loss Handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resistance, or your resilience, rather. And this was published in 2022, just May of 2022. So very fresh, but... um, Tell us more about the the book, Rebecca. It's selling really well, I hear. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And and you're right. Yesterday was National Grief Awareness Day, which you would think, you know, as the people living with grief say, well, every day should be National Grief Awareness Day. Um, And it is. But, you know, my take is that if there's any news peg for, you know, giving us the chance to educate the public on what it is, feels like to move through grief, like how nuanced an experience it is and how normal an experience it is, I'll take it. So, you know, I've been doing a lot of a lot of grief talk this week. Um, yeah, so the my my book is uh, my new newest book is called The Modern Loss Handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. And I wrote it, um, you know, I guess it has three main goals. And it's to help you stay connected to your person to yourself, and to the world around you across the long arc uh, of the loss experience. Because my, what I've learned is that when you figure out how to do those three things, and maybe on Sundays you're not going to be doing one of them really well or even all of them really well, but when you make a practice of trying to do those three things, that's when you start realizing that, you know, you may be able to do this grief thing. You may be able to do this loss thing. Because you're figuring out how to take care of yourself across, you know, the long arc of it all. And you're figuring out how to give yourself acknowledgement that what you're going through is really hard. And speak up for what you need from the people around you and your different support systems. Uh, We do a really poor job of talking about grief and loss in our culture. We do a really poor job of supporting people who experience loss, you know, in the workplace. We don't have a national bereavement leave policy. 
And so it really is up to us, like the people who are willing to talk about it, to help normalize the conversation around it. Thank you for explaining all about Rebecca. Now, just to reintroduce you real quick, we're, we're listening to Rebecca Sofer. She's the CEO of Modern Loss, the company, and she's also written two books, co-author of one, the Modern Loss uh, book with um, Candid Conversation About Grief and Beginner's Welcome. And she published that a few years ago in 2018. But this is a new book she's talking about. It's a, a handbook for moving through grief building your resilience, and it was published just May 2022. And full disclosure, Rebecca and I are friends. Uh, We met at Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, and I attended Rebecca's wedding, one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Good conversation. (laughs) a lot of dancing. (laughs) Yes, good conversation, great food, and a live band that kept us all dancing late into the night. And Rebecca, I know you're incredibly busy with a career, a husband, and two boys to take care of. So how's everything going in New York City today? Um, you know, I, I'm not in New York today. I actually have not been living there um, full time uh, since the beginning of COVID. Um, I, you know, like many New Yorkers, I experienced a bit of a shift in, you know, my 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 location. Um, I was living in a tiny apartment. I'm a 20-year-long New Yorker, um, but suddenly found ourselves with two little kids and, you know, all of our work at home um, when COVID hit. And so we spent um, the, the next two and a half years in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts, which is actually, you know, where we got married. So a very beautiful place um, that has a little bit of a, <laughs> a lower population density um, during the pandemic. And it's been um, a real... I would say it's, it's, it, it, it was hard to make the move, but also um, we feel really lucky that we've been able to endure uh, a really difficult time in the world surrounded by nature and streams and mountains and that our kids have been able to be outside a lot. You know, we're all very hardy right now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We're outside all the time. So everybody's healthy and happy, right? Yeah, everybody is hanging in there. You know, I think that's all we can hope for anybody at this point, two and a half years into COVID life. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, I, my, my, my strong sense from our community, from the modern loss community, and just like speaking to people is that, you know, a lot of us have just been flying in like fly by the seat of our pants mode since March 2020. You know, there's been a lot of loss, not just death loss. There's been, societal loss. There's been role, role changes and location changes and work from home changes. And we're all just like hanging on and hanging in as best as we can. And I think that's all we can hope for right now. So are you talking with people about loss during COVID then? Yeah. I mean, our community has, I would say it's exploded. So I founded, I co-founded the Modern Loss website. So it, 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 it um, started as an online magazine, which I co-founded with my friend Debbie Berkner at the end of 2013, um, com, And that has like thousands of original personal essays and practical resource pieces that, you know, deal with different facets of the loss experience, um, everything, all types of, you know, all types of grief, um, death loss, all types of feelings and experiences from sex to finance to, you know, career choices, um, you know, friendship issues. Uh, And because we really felt like there was a white space that existed 
in this conversation. Um, as you well know, Justin, my mom was killed when I was 30. I was working at the Colbert Report. That was where I went after journalism school to do quote-unquote journalism. And that experience of having a sudden death and, and of my mom, who was like, like the most foundational person in my life, um, really showed me as somebody who was working full-time at the same time and building their career how isolating the experience of grief really is, especially in our country and our culture. Um, I found it really difficult to navigate the build mode of my life while also navigating a loss mode. And I felt like I could only talk about this stuff in a therapist's office or like a small circle of people who felt comfortable talking about it. And that didn't really help me because it made me feel like I had to hide a lot of what I was going through. Um, and I wanted to feel like a full person. I wanted to feel like I could laugh and work and have my friends and date and everything. But this loss, was it accompanies me every single day, and it will accompany me for the rest of my life. And I was trying to figure out, like, how to fold it into my daily existence and not feel othered, not feel like I was walking into a room and everybody was speaking in hushed tones or looking at me in a weird way. And so that's what modern loss really came out of, which was getting really tired of how stigmatized this topic is. It's ridiculous that it's a stigma because it's the most universal experience that we'll all have. And so we really co-founded it as a way to fill in this white space with conversation and resources and content and community that are not, they don't hinge on, you know, therapeutic uh, resources or religion. It's really just letting it all hang out. Like, let's talk about grief and the longer arc of loss and what it really looks like. And when we talk about it, then we pull other people out of their isolation because we make it clear that other people are going through something kind of similar. We make it clear who's willing to talk about this stuff. And then by further extension, you really teach the world about what it feels like to live with loss. And you make it something that isn't just like a mysterious thing that people are guessing. And you teach people how to maybe provide meaningful support to people around them who are going through it, you know? So the entire mission is just to get rid of the stigma and normalize the conversation. And yeah, so I talk about it all the time. <laughs> That's my thing now. Yeah, I remember your mom, very cool lady. Can we say your name? Did she put it in the book? Yeah. Okay. Her name is Shelby. And also, you know, I don't know if you've known this, but did you even notice that I talk about you in this book? What, the Modern Handbook? The Modern Loss Handbook, yeah. I, so I was able to get <laughs> I, the Modern Loss book from 2018, Canberra, A Candid Conversation mm -hmm. About Grief, Beginner's Welcome. I did not get the handbook yet, so no, I didn't read that part. Yeah, so I actually, I want to tell you, and I'll just tell you live on public radio that when my, you know, I get asked a lot, like, what is it, what can, what can I say or do? Like, my friend's mom just died or somebody just, you know, like, this, this thing happened. Um, you know, what can I say? I'm really uncomfortable. Uh, I really don't know the right thing to say. And I always say, I get it. It's very scary because we really suck at this kind of thing. And if you haven't lost a mom or haven't had a stillbirth or your husband wasn't murdered, you know, you, you don't know what that feels like. But all that someone needs for you to do is make it clear to them that you are with them in that emotional space, that you may not understand what it feels like, 
but you know that this must feel awful and scary and you are there to rage with them and remember with them or do whatever they need. You're not scared off by what they're going through. People need to know that what they're going through is being acknowledged by people around them. And they need to feel less alone. They need to feel like people are willing to sit with them in the muck, right? And not feel so alone. Because grief and loss, they're, they're singular experiences to every person, but they don't have to be so isolating. And I write about you because when my mom died, you sent me a message that was the best message that anybody sent to me ever. Like, I got a lot of, I'm so sorry for your loss. This is so sad. You sent me an email and you were so pissed off to hear that my mom died because, you know, like you, you really liked her. I mean, she thought the world of you and you were so mad. You said, I, you said some words that I can't say on radio. You were just like, this is BS. This is awful. I'm so upset, you know, and I got that message. You probably don't even remember writing it to me, but I received it. And that was the only thing that I remember someone sending to me. Because I was angry. I was upset. I felt lost. I felt confused. I felt like it was unfair. And I was like, wow, Justin has the perfect result. Like, that's, he's there with me. Even just through an email, someone sees how awful this is. So, you know, I'm just going to thank you on live radio for doing that. And I remembered it always. Always. Okay. It was the best thing anyone ever sent me. Uh, <clears throat> well, I I have... I'm glad I said the right thing at that time. I was just, you know, speaking the truth. It was not her time to go, and she was ripped out of this no. world too early. No, it was awful. And, you know, I feel like, you know, there's just been so much loss, so much grief since the onset of COVID. And, you know, when I launched Modern Loss in 2013, I would say that I would go to dinner parties and people would say, oh, what are you working on right now? And they would expect for me to say something that was a little funny because I was working for Comedy Central. I was working for Stephen Colbert for years. Um, and they were not expecting me for me to say, well, I'm, I'm working on launching a website in a community that talks about grief and loss, but it's going to be really awesome. Like, it's going to be funny, and it's going to be moving. It's going to be resonant, you know, and people, you could hear the crickets in the room. You could hear them. You could hear that no one knew how to respond to that because they thought that it sounded morose or creepy or depressing. Um, and I would say to them, you know, you know, I don't think it's morose or creepy or depressing. I'm just somebody who has loss in my life. As you know, my, my dad died four years after my mom died. So I, I, both of my parents died within four years of each other. And I still felt like a normal person in the world. It was, I didn't ask for this to happen. This just happened in my life. And I, you know, wanted to create a space for people to talk about this stuff comfortably. And it was a real uphill battle to make myself heard. For a long time. I mean, we got a lot of media coverage. You know, we have a very specific tone. We use a lot of dark humor. We're very engaging and warm, you know, and that's why people, that's why we have such a big community for Modern Moth. You know, we're all over social media. I have two books out. I do a lot of public speaking. But it was an uphill battle, like, to make a case for why do we need to talk about grief? Because outside of people who understood grief, not a lot of people got it. But Fast forward to March 2020, and we all know what grief feels like. You know, we've all been dealing with 
layers and layers of grief for the last couple of years related to identity or geography or relationships ending or jobs ending or dreams that we had that may no longer be realized or, you know, just the loss of our ability to easily celebrate or mourn with people. I went to like so many Zoom funerals in March 2020. And so we all understand what grief and loss feel like. And so it's the first time since running Modern Loss that no one questions what I do. Everyone understands why it's important to talk about this stuff. And not just like with your friends or your family, but at work too. You know, I think that companies are even starting to realize that their their employees are actually human people who need their mental health taken care of. I agree. Yeah, that uh, it's a new world for a lot of us post COVID. There's still plenty of people who want to pretend like it's not a real pandemic going on, and they're not doing their their uh, duty to wear masks or social distance or get vaccines. But for me, it uh, changed everything. I'm I feel like I survived COVID. I'm wearing my mask everywhere. I got all my vaccines. I'm doing everything I can to not get it or spread it. And I'm not letting anybody stand in my way from now on. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm realizing my dreams and anybody else who wants to pretend like the world didn't change in 2020. I just don't have time for them. Yep. So now I want to say your dad's name, if it's okay. Sure. Yeah, because Ray is missed also. He was a a, a great conversationalist, just like your mother. They were so cool to have around. I was just reminiscing the other day about going to the, was it called the New Museum? We saw Egon Shealy. Oh, my God. Wasn't that amazing? I loved seeing that exhibit. I I absolutely remember going there with you. Wasn't that a special, I remember getting the postcards because I loved his artwork so much. Oh, yeah. It was a perfect day in New York. The Noya Gallery off of on Fifth Avenue. Okay. Somewhere on Museum Mile. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw David Schwimmer from Friends there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Celebrity <laughs> sighting, high art, New York City, Ray and Shelby and totally. Rebecca and Justin. That's right. That was a you know, fun it's day. Funny that I, I, I appreciate that you say his name. You know, like my mom, my parents' names are Shelby and Ray. And... People sometimes will say, what were their names? And I'm like, well, it's Shelby and Ray. And I'm like, it's still their names, you know? And I try not to be obnoxious because, you know, they're trying to be nice. But, you know, they're, it's their names. I, I think that people who are living with loss, like, they really appreciate when people do what you just did. Like, hey, what, were their, what are their names? Like, can I say their name? Because a lot of people, when they have a person die in their life, they don't get a chance to say their name so much anymore especially people, you know, we have a huge community of people who have miscarriages, stillbirths, and these are types of losses that we call them kind of taboos times two on top of, you know, normal grief because it's something that society is extra weird about, you know, addressing. And so you have all these parents who maybe never got to say their baby's name out loud to anybody besides that themselves, Um, and it means the world to be asked to share that information. It really, it, it legitimizes the fact that this person existed or they were in utero or, you know, like there was the hope of them existing. Um, and for me, it just makes me really happy to say my parents' names out loud. You know, I, I don't get to do it all that much anymore. 
Okay, well, let me reintroduce you here, just so everyone knows. We're talking with Rebecca Sofer. She's the CEO of the company Modern Loss, and she is also the co-author of the book Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome, published in 2018. And she also is the author, sole author, of a new handbook called Modern Loss Handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. And it was published just this year, May 22. Is that correct? That's right. It came out in mid-May, May seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. It was became a it was a, it's a bestseller on Barnes and Noble, and it went into a third printing um, even before its publication date. So it's been kind of a you know a really wild ride for me. Okay. Well, I'm congratulations, Rebecca. That's awesome. Like what I just said, which was most people just didn't really pay much attention to me for many years as I was trying to preach this message. Yeah, and during COVID, you're making a huge impact on the publishing world. That's fantastic. Congratulations, Rebecca. Thanks, Justin. You're welcome. And we were talking about, you know, not just it's any kind of loss, not just a, a death of a loved one, but a loss of a marriage, loss of a job, um, COVID, loss of your dreams, the world that you thought you were going to have. And, um, yeah. COVID was tough for, for me, too. I, I lost uh, one of my aunts died from COVID, and oh I, had a, I had a co-worker die from COVID, and she announced that she tested positive for COVID, and then she died the next week. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Jeez, that's terrible. Yeah. And so to, <clears throat> to tell you the truth, I mean, I wanted to have good conversations with my uncle afterward, and I talked with or sent an email to my coworker's son because just to reach out. But I mean, those were tough conversations and a tough email to send. And I don't know if I did it right. So what would your recommendation be to how, how to deal with that and, and treat people with respect, have sympathy for what they're going through? Sorry, wait, the question is the, what, what's the specific question again? If somebody dies from COVID or there is a death, mm-hmm. but you know, we're all dealing with this. So, you know, coming up yeah. here, we could have another bad winter with COVID. We don't know, but it could be yeah. a, another bad winter. So if this is another COVID winter where we're going to have hospitalizations and deaths, uh, how do we deal with that as a society or one-on-one with our friends, our family, our loved ones, our neighbors. What's what's your advice, Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really. Um, I think that we need to just take a step back and realize that we're not going to fix anybody's situation. We're not going to fix anybody's grief. Okay, so like, yes, maybe that sounds like demoralizing because you can't be that helpful. But in a way, I want you to shift your you know, how you're regarding that and think about, oh, it's not my job to fix anyone's grief. It's not my job. It's just my job to provide some meaningful support because you need to understand that, like, you're still going through your own life and life is very stressful right now for many people. I mean, I still, yes, I I, I work for myself. I have two little kids. I'm dealing with COVID life. You know, I still mask when I go indoors. Um, I'm, you know, pretty, pretty cautious because that's how I'm able to move through the world and do book events and give talks is by being extra careful and taking care of myself so that I don't, you know, expose my family all the time. And, uh, and, and we're all dealing with stressors. And so if you know somebody who's, who had a loss to, to COVID or for any other reason, you need to just remind yourself that it's not your job 
to make it all better for them, right? And it's not your job to be in touch like every single day, 24-7, but it is very easy to make it clear that you're there, that you care. I always say it's really important to just like show up, follow up, and follow through. You know, tell, you can, you, it doesn't matter. Use your communication method of choice. I think texts are as fine as phone calls or emails, you know. I, what I don't think suffices is when you hear about a loss and then you just, like, like it on Facebook. I think that that is not really meaningful. It's like a little packet of sugar that a person downs and maybe they feel a little high from the fact that you acknowledge something. But if you don't follow up with something more meaningful, it doesn't really mean much. So I really encourage you to, like, think about who it is, who do you know? Like, are you talking about your uncle? Right. Okay. Can you check in with him and say, hey, like, let's call him, like, Uncle Steve, just because I have an Uncle Steve. Um, I I know, like, do you know Uncle Steve's birthday? Do you know your aunt's birthday? Do you know the day that your aunt died? Like, can you just take five minutes and go onto your calendar and mark days that you would want to reach out to Uncle Steve? And it could be via text. It could be like, hey, Uncle Steve, I know today's your birthday. Thinking about you, like, want to know how you're doing. Like, let me know if you want to talk or let me know if you need, I can take you for a drink next week or something. You know, just like mark your calendar with very obvious days that it might be particularly hard for that person. Are they a neighbor? Fine. You don't have to go to that nth degree. But think about, like, what do you think they need? You know, that isn't going to, like, overwhelm your own life. Do they need their lawn mode? Is it getting out of hand? Because, like, maybe someone's wife died and they're dealing with, like, all of the overwhelm that comes with that. Is their lawn getting out of control? Can you just, like, go over there with a lawnmower and mow their lawn? Or do you think that you can say, hey, can I, like, help clean your house? Or can I just, like, drop off some food? You know, like, there are very little acts of kindness that you can provide um, that show meaningful support to somebody. And... I always, again, like harkening back, like you don't have to be the end-all, be-all support system for somebody. But it, you should do something, and you should keep doing it. And as a postscript, if you, say, reach out to Uncle Steve on his birthday, and he doesn't feel like talking, and he doesn't feel like getting together, then that doesn't mean that he's never going to feel like talking and never feeling, feel like getting together. Show up, but follow through. Keep following up with them. Because they will never forget that you are in their corner. They will never forget that they know they can go to you when they feel like talking or if they have a request. That's a really powerful thing to do for somebody. Okay. So be consistent and just be present. Consistency is, yeah, I think it's really important. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, Rebecca. I know this is, we don't deal with this in society. We don't have these conversations and it's, it's tough. Um, you know, just going to a funeral and speaking about somebody who has passed away is tough. And then after the funeral, now you're encouraging us to talk about grief and loss even years after because it continues every day, right? Because yeah, because, because you're going to live with that loss for the rest of your life. Like it's not just, during the first month or the first year. Um, it's not. It's not for the first five years. I'm always going to live with the loss of my mom and dad. My mom died now 16 years ago, if you can believe it. It's crazy to me. Yeah, but I, I still live with her loss. And you know what? I regard it in different ways. 
I don't, re- I don't like view myself as a grieving woman. Like that's not how I view myself, but I will always live with loss. I will always miss my parents. They will always be a, a hole in my life that I, you know, my, they will always be people who my kids will never get to meet, right? My kids will never have grandparents who they meet on my side of the family. And that's really always hard. And so I also like think about them in different ways as I go through parenthood, you know, as I have questions for them that I wish I could have asked, you know, that I didn't think I would ever ask when I was 30. And so you just really need to remember that um, loss is like a very nuanced thing and it's a dynamic thing because as long as one of the people is living, then there's still the loss. Well, I think this is a good place to maybe open up for phone calls here. We're on a coffee break, KCHU 770 AM Valdez. I'm your host, Justin Bass. I hope you have your coffee and you are taking a break with us because we're talking with Rebecca Sofer. She's the CEO of the company Modern Loss. She's also the co-author of the book Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome, published in 2018. And just this year, May 2022, Rebecca is the sole author of a new Modern Loss Handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. And she's talking with us today. So if you would like to call in and ask some questions, Rebecca can provide some answers. It's 907-835-5080, 907-835-5080, or 1-800-478-5080, 1-800-478-5080. You can just ask your questions right here live on KCHU 770 AM. So now, Rebecca, you do have this new book. Uh, are you doing any book signings, any tours? I know you were on tour recently. You are in San Francisco doing a book signing. Anything coming up? Yeah. Um, so the book came out in, in mid-May, and um, I was really lucky to launch it, like, you know, with some really big appearances. I was on CBS um, Morning with Gail King <laughs> right before my pub day, which was amazing. It was like very surreal, like an out-of-body experience. Um, and so the book has, you know, done quite well in terms of exposure. Uh, I did a whole book tour uh, in May and June. I was everywhere from Washington, D.C. to Philly, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Um, and then I, you know, had to take a break because that was a lot for me, you know, after COVID and kids and everything, that was, that was a lot of travel. Um, and so now after Labor Day, I'm, I'm actually gearing up for another, another tour. I'm, I'm doing, um, I, I'm, I'm doing a whole fall and winter book tour to various locations. And then, but on top of that, um, you know, one of my specialties is public speaking. So I uh, go to a lot of companies and organizations and speak with their employees, uh, their mental health affinity groups, their wellness groups um, about these things. I, I, I've spoken at Amazon and at HBO and Capital One. And so that is, you know, that's kind of what my, my main focus is right now, especially because, you know, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg uh, with regard to a grief pandemic that is going to well outlast the actual viral pandemic. And I think that you have employees who are really suffering. So where are you touring then, the USA, continental U.S.? Yeah, so I'm going to be, well, let's see, coming up, I'm going to be, I'm like thinking, I'm going to be all over the north in the next, in, in two weeks, I'm speaking at the University of Pennsylvania, 
I'm speaking at Williams College, so I'm doing a lot of university talks. Um, if anyone listening is at a university, I love speaking with college students. There's been a lot of mental health and isolation, you know, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of loss, a lot of isolation issues that kids, you know, college students are dealing with. Um, I'm speaking at, uh, let's see, I'm going to be doing a book event in the Berkshires, in Baltimore, uh, London, Montreal, uh, La Jolla. I'm actually going to be in La Jolla in, in November. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think some of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So yeah, it's, it's, and in fact, the book is coming out in Italian, um, in Italy on September 20th. So I'm even, you know, looking into potentially doing an event there. So it's, um, it's, it's really moving for me to have these opportunities. I'm really grateful that people are not only just like willing to hear what I've been saying for nearly a decade, um, but they're really in need of it because everybody needs a release valve right now. And I provide the invitation for them to engage with the topic in a way that's warm and conversational and like isn't going to send you running for the hills, you know. Um, Modern Lost uses a very you know, comedic tone. There's a lot of levity. No, I don't find it disrespectful at all. I think that people who live with loss are still people. They still need to laugh about the ludicrous aspect of grief and loss and life because the whole thing is a mess, you know? And I think that through humor, sometimes we build bridges with other people and that's how we form community. And so, yeah, I mean, I learned very well um, working for Stephen Colbert, you know, and even beforehand that when you're dealing with a topic that is scary and overwhelming to people, you know, like loss in all capitals. Uh, it's a lot better to do it through a tone that's lighter uh, than bashing them over the head with it. Because if you do that, they're just going to run for the hills. They'll never come back. Well, can you give us an example, maybe, uh, without using anybody's name or you know, description or anything, how you were able to talk with somebody using a levity in your tone and maybe a little humor to talk about loss, make them feel better? Yeah, sure. Well, here's an example. I'll, I'll give you one from the book. Um, you know, I, a lot of people ask me, um, you know, when is it okay to laugh after someone dies, right? And I always say, first of all, I'm not, you know, the, <laughs> I'm not the Emily Post of grief, you know, decorum. I think that you need to do whatever feels right to you. Sometimes you can't even help it. You know, it's like grief is a very messy thing, and we have very little control over our emotions. We're just one big exposed nerve, especially in the beginning. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so I always say, like, look, you just need to do what comes naturally, and you need to kind of express yourself and do whatever feels right to you as long as it's not hurting yourself or anybody else. Um and so there's this story that I give as an example. Like, people say, oh, like, I laughed. There was this funny thing that happened in the funeral, but then I felt really guilty. And I'm like, who cares? Like, you're not, like, glad the person died. It's not respectful that something really funny happened. You know, it just happened. And, like, doesn't it feel nice to feel like a human being again? Doesn't it feel nice to laugh a little bit and be reminded that you're still you, you're still a person, you still can laugh a bit, you know? Uh, I think that's a really important reminder for people when they're living with grief because 
so much feels foreign and unfamiliar, like the entire terrain feels new and scary and kind of like, how are you going to do this? And so when you find yourself laughing, it's a really nice thing because it reminds you that you're still you. So um, I always give like an example of my friend, um, my friend's grandmother died in Baltimore um, a couple uh, several years ago, and at the funeral, everybody was standing around, and they were very somber, and they didn't know what to say to each other. She was the matriarch. Like, it was like a very big loss. She was the glue that held the family together. And so um, I, there was this gust of wind that blew uh, Cousin Stevie, who was there. He was, like, you know, very, like, immature, you know, grown-up. Cousin Stevie's teapot was a Jewish funeral, like the head covering at a, at a, you know, in a Jewish ceremony, off his head, and it swirled it into the air, and then it fell right on top of the coffin, which was already lowered six feet under. Um, underground, you know, and so everybody was staring at her and they didn't know what to do because it was very, you know, uncomfortable for everyone. And then Cousin Stevie said, darn, that was real leather. And everybody looked at each other and they just melted into laughter. I mean, it was like this hilarious moment and it was like the ice was broken and everybody just kind of exhaled, right? And they agreed, like the grandma, she would have found that funny because it was legitimately funny moment. It was like this a funny thing to say, like to be worried about a real leather keep off, you know, losing that. No, it's a shame. That was real leather. Now it's like on top of the coffin. Like you got to find these moments of joy and levity to hang on to because I promise like loss and grief are hard enough. You're still going to feel awful. You're still going to miss the person, you know, so just like hang on to these moments with all your might when they arise. Thanks for sharing that, Rebecca. That is pretty funny. I could picture that, like the opening of a movie. That would be the opening uh, shot for uh, a movie about living with grief, right? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of things. I, I, yeah. There's there, there's a lot that I could, there's a lot that I could talk about, you know, but um, I have examples from, uh, you know, people in the modern lost community who say, you know, like who, who talk about like their husband. I remember there was this one, uh, a woman, she was a very young widow. I think her husband died from cancer when they were both 30. And she went into a hardware store later that year and she needed to buy a shovel. She buys a shovel and the guy selling it to her says, you're going to bury your husband with that? And she said, nope, I already did that. And so, like, she was, like, cracking herself up because, like, it's, like, nervous energy, you know, and she thought it was hysterical. By the way, she still missed her husband desperately, but it was for her this, like, release, this, like, very darkly funny moment, which presented itself, and it made her feel better. Like, you need a release, and you need to know that this stuff is not disrespectful. It's not. It just reminds you that you're human. Yep, we're all human going through this world together. It's, uh... It's not an easy ride. So I appreciate you writing these books and making it easier for people dealing with loss and grief. And just to reintroduce you here to KCHU 770 AM listeners, this is Coffee Break. I'm your host, Justin Bass. We have a very special coffee break with Rebecca Sofer. She's the CEO of her own company called Modern Loss. She's also the co-author of the book, Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome, published in 2018. It's a series of essays, well-written. I read all of Rebecca's essays and some of the other ones, and uh, 
lots of different ways that people deal with uh, grief, even with going on uh, <clears throat> sexcapades. So there's um, a lot of adult material in the book. It's real deal talking about what it's like to lose somebody and go through the grief. I recommend it if you're looking for a, a read about loss in your life, whether it's a loss of a loved one, a job, a marriage, anything that happened during COVID where your world got turned upside down and you lost your life that you had. I recommend yeah. reading Rebecca's book. She's also got this new one that's out just May 2022, Modern Loss Handbook. She wrote it on her own, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. I have not read this one yet, Rebecca. I will. I So what's the difference here? Is it it's not essays this time? It's different? No, it's not essays at all. No, it's um, so this book is um, sorry. Talk about like working from home, like uh, everything being a mess. Um, I'm just telling my husband that I need our office space because I'm doing here. This is like work from home life. Um, oh well, say hi for me from one Justin to another. We actually both have office spaces, but we both we take turns doing phone calls. Um, so anyway, uh, this book is a different format. So the first book was really a collection of essays that were written by more than 40 people who we commissioned pieces from to talk about various aspects of the loss experience, right? And they're divided up into different chapters from identity to um, intimacy to collateral damage and absence plus and travel journeys. So there are so many different kind of umbrella experiences that we explored, and we did it through a variety of very, very, very different people. Some of them are public figures like Amanda Palmer, who's, you know, a a very well-known singer. She's like a literal rock star. Or Brian Stelter, who was a longtime host on CNN of Reliable Sources. Or, um, you know, a lot of well-known comedians. Uh, there are a lot of illustrations. And then Gabby Berkner, my co-author, and I wrote extensively um, in essays about our own experiences with loss. Uh, but in this book, kind of the onus was on me just to get it right. So it was the first book that I authored alone. So it was terrifying. But I also felt like I really had something to say. Um, I wanted to, during the onset of COVID, uh, the modern loss community really ballooned. Uh, it, you know, everybody all of, sudden, all of a sudden found themselves stuck at home, right? And people who were dealing with grief, all of a sudden they had lost all of their access to whatever coping mechanisms they had developed outside of the home. They couldn't easily go to their therapist. They couldn't easily go to brunch or go to that bodega that was part of their routine or their nail salon or, you know, a celebration, brunch with friends. And that really threw a lot of people off. It threw all of us off. And so I really felt um, I was really tasked with uh, pivoting and developing a lot of online content and online like virtual experiences for our community to connect with each other because everybody was looking for connection points. Um, and I started to get overwhelmed by that because I got all, I was getting a lot of emails and individual messages asking me, hey, can you help me with this? Can you recommend this? But at the same time, I also was dealing with COVID life. I also was dealing with working for myself and having two little kids and then virtual school and, like, all the things that came with that. And so um, I had always wanted to do this book and came close to uh, doing it, actually, in 2019, but never got there. And so in by June of 2020, 
I was like, no, I, I want to write this book because I feel like there's such a demand for what I have to say, and I'm only one person, and I can't spend 24 hours answering people, but I can share all the knowledge that I have learned from my own loss experience and from the experience of this modern loss global community and also all these amazing experts in, like, the mental health field, the grief field, the wellness field, and resilience field that I have been lucky enough to develop relationships with. I can share all of that in between two covers, and that way people can have me whenever they want, right? So I'm going to write this book. And so the format, it's called the Modern Loss Handbook, and it's called an interactive guide because it's not a journal. It's not like, how are you feeling today? No, I mean, anybody can write something like that. This is very, you know thoughtful in its structure and it's a fully written book it's like 250 pages long but there are many many places that are meant to engage with you know like you're meant to write in it there's a couple pages where you're meant to rip it into rip them into pieces and do projects with them um and so i kind of feel like you know people are looking for an invitation to engage with their grief and loss but they can't always think of, like, the questions that they should engage with or the things that they should be considering. And so I kind of do that job for them. And so the book is divided, as I said earlier at the beginning of the interview, into three sections. Sections that help you stay connected to your person, stay connected to yourself, and stay connected to the world around you. And so when you the, the sections that help you stay connected to your person, like, one is really about um, – you know, memory, right? Like memories and thoughts. And it's called what was, what might have been, and what may be. And I ask you, this is a very, very interactive section. And it asks many questions that kind of help you remember your person. Because, you know, especially in early grief, I think a lot of us are focused on the fact that they're dead. You know, our neurons are literally quite like trying to wrap our, their, you know, wrap themselves around this new reality. It's like a, it's like a neurological process that is hard for us to adjust to. It's not our fault that we even a year on go to like call our person and then remember that they're dead. That's the way our neurons are programmed. Um, and so I don't think we spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, their quirky qualities or an achievement you accomplished together or, you know, what, what like, you know, when they seemed the most proud of you or how they made you laugh. And so I ask a lot of those questions, which obviously are the heartwarming questions or the warm questions. But then I go deeper. I mean, I really challenge you to, you know, um, consider the fact that all relationships are human relationships. And so by, you know, by, by, you know, by extension, they're flawed because we're all human beings. And so I challenge you to think about some of the tough stuff, right? Um, any grudges that were held, any time that somebody did think to you that hurt you and maybe they didn't apologize. Or was there any harm done? You know, of course, like there's a lot of domestic violence out there. There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of emotional abuse. You know, not every relationship is a loving relationship out there. And that grief is just as valid as every other grief over um, a loss. You know, I ask you what their biggest regret was or were you ever estranged from your person and like what feelings come up around remembering some of the tough things. And I argue that sometimes remembering some of the hard things, like teasing them out of you, might be more important than remembering what their favorite joke was. When we experience a loss, we're the only ones left to deal with the unresolved stuff. And we have to figure out a way to deal with it. 
because if not, it's going to be really hard to move through life in a way that, you know, makes you feel like you're resilient and building a rich existence. You're going to be focused on some of these things that were never resolved. And unfortunately, it's kind of up to you to figure out a way to not resolve them with closure, but to get to a point where you've dealt with them. And I strongly encourage you to bring up, you know, some of these answers with a grief counselor or with a friend and talk through them. Like, really think, like, sit with these answers and think about what's coming up and what you need to work through it. Because, you know, as I said, relationships aren't perfect. Um, There's an entire section on trigger days, you know, how to get through anniversaries, hallmark holidays, milestones. You know, I give you lots of ideas for dealing with birthdays and death anniversaries or like an anniversary of somebody's diagnosis, because that can be a really hard day for people. You know, the day that their person found out that had terminal cancer or were just diagnosed with something innocuous that ended up killing them. Um, I talk about really creative ways to create ritual and memorialize and maintain a connection with your person. And I argue that just because your person is dead, it doesn't mean the relationship is over. The relationship lives on. You're always going to regard your person. And that means you always have a relationship with them. I encourage you to figure out ways to kind of honor that creatively. And, it, you know, I don't suggest doing all of this in the first, like, week after they die. That's why I argue that loss is a forever thing. This book is meant to be used at any given time. You can use it whenever. It's just as germane to me, personally, years and years on as it would have been during the first year. Um, And then there's a whole section, like I said, on staying connected to yourself, right? Like I go into reasons to try out grief therapy. I outline a variety of forms of therapy and make a case for it. But then I um, provide all of these kind of like what I call the DIY therapies that you can do with yourself at any given moment. And all of these are meant to be tools that may or may not work for you, but if they do, you can put them in your toolbox, and that is a resilience-building thing. Like, you, I'm trying to give you tools that will multiply, and then in any given moment, you could use one of them to help yourself through whatever it is you're going through. So there are music therapy exercises. There um You know, there's writing therapy exercises. There's, like, I talk about the beauty of catharsis in literally destroying something. I encourage you to, like, smash the crap out of something in a controlled space, obviously. Um, There are, like, creative writing exercises that are called, like, six-word memoirs. I go into ways to help you get better sleep and rest and dreams and deal with anxiety uh, because that can really affect our sleep. I talk about how grief takes on all facets of, like, physical existence and how it can affect your body and ways to deal with that. Um, So as you can see, I'm, like, really addressing, like, this 360 experience of grief and loss. Um, And then finally, in the whole, like, staying connected to the world around you, uh, there are – there's a chapter that's called Navigating and Negotiating Friendship and Social Dynamics because just because you had a loss doesn't mean you don't still have to deal with your intimate relationships or your friendships or your acquaintances. You still have to deal with your work life probably. You still have to be productive. It sucks. It's not fair, but you still have to. And so I, you know, don't think that how relationships shift in loss is something that is talked about as often as it should be because a lot of people will lose friends or their friendship circles will shift when they go through a loss. 
because some of their support system may not end up being a good support system. Some people may not really be able to deal with their loss, you know, because they're uncomfortable around it. And so I talk about ways like how you can draw boundaries with people who aren't making you feel good, but also how you can speak up for yourself and give people a chance to show up for you, how you can kind of really level up for yourself and voice your needs and see if people will be willing to meet them. Because I think that a lot of people really do want to provide meaningful support. We're just not really prepared to, for how to provide it in this culture. Um, and then finally, of course, like I, I go into the workplace, you know, I talk about like different creative ways to consider how you can exist in your profession and not lose your job while also living with loss. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a big book and it's really interactive. There's a lot of places to write in it, uh, but there's a lot of information as well. And I, I think it's very helpful. I, I personally wish it was the thing that people handed to me um, after my mom and dad died, uh, but they didn't because it didn't exist yet. And so I wrote it for that reason as well. Yeah, it sounds great, Rebecca. I mean, I was just having all kinds of different flashbacks and feelings, listening to all the different aspects you cover for grief and loss. So just reintroducing you here, Rebecca Sofer, she's the CEO of the company Modern Loss. She also wrote two books. One of them is called Modern Loss, Candid, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome, published in 2018. And she just published a second book, May of 2022. It's called The Modern Loss Handbook. She was just talking about it's an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. So if anyone would like to call, we've got a little bit of time here, 907-835-5080, 907-835-5080. You can ask your questions on live radio to Rebecca Sofer, or you can call 1-800-478-5080, 1-800-478-5080. And Rebecca, I got a question uh, for you. Does anyone you talk with have climate change grief? Is anybody having feelings of loss due to the damage to our inhabitable, our inhabitable planet because of anthropogenic climate change? And like, what yeah, if- actually, yeah. I mean, I think that's actually we even have a, a piece on our website that's called "How I'm Dealing with Climate Grief," um, and I think that that's a, that's a very real type of grief. You know, I. I say that, like, loss is loss is loss. And if it feels like grief to you, it's grief. Um, and I think that a lot of us are dealing with climate grief right now, just like we're dealing with all these other layers of societal grief. Um, and it's really, you know, sad and it's existential and it makes us consider what our lives will look like, you know, what our families might look like, where our geographic locations might be. I think it can cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of feelings of impotence. Um, so that is a very real thing that, that a lot of our community is dealing with. And, you know, that's just like one of the, one of the layers of grief we, we're all contending with these days. And it's, um, you know, it's real. And I always say it's like really hard to heal without feeling acknowledged. And it's worth acknowledging that if you're feeling grief over the, the state of the climate and our, you know, relative inaction with, you know, taking major steps towards addressing the issues of climate change and global warming, that's real. And that's a very hard thing to go through. And the more that you can be kind to yourself and acknowledge that what you're feeling is really hard and very worthy of being acknowledged of being hard, the better you're going to be at providing 
kind of empathic support to somebody else who's going through something hard because you need to feel acknowledged in your hard thing in order for you to provide acknowledgement to somebody else in their hard thing. And so I always say to everybody, make sure you figure out how to feel seen, how to feel acknowledged, even if it's, if it's from a therapist, if it's from a friend, if it's from an online support group, or just like having some witnesses, like putting it on social media and asking people to like, like know that you're going through something hard. It's, it's a very meaningful and important thing. Yeah, you know, I asked that because uh, I guess I'm going through climate change grief and have been going through it for a long time. I, I wrote two yeah. books about it and, you know, I sold solar electricity and electric cars. Uh, I put down a deposit for an electric truck and I have to wait an extra two years now because of the chip shortage due to the, yeah. the COVID shutdown. So it just right. it, it feels really difficult. Um, trying to change the sources of our energy here. And, of course, I'm up here in Alaska, and we do have you know, oil and gas as a, a major provider of energy here. But there are people who are using geothermal for heating and power. There's solar energy. They have a program up here. The federal government is giving free solar electric panels to uh, the indigenous population up here. So and we have you know opportunities for wind and, and tidal power as well, but it's just doesn't seem like it's happening or it's always on my mind. But I feel a lot of people are just not uh, dealing with that, and I have nobody to really go into that. So maybe I should get the uh, interactive handbook and tear out a few pages and do a project. Yeah, I mean, I think you should. I think that you know it's it's interesting. Like the well, the handbook, I think. You know, I, I think that when you figure out how to, like, level up for yourself and, uh, you know, give yourself what you need when you're going through a very difficult thing like a loss, a death loss, it only spills over into being able to help yourself through all the other inevitable hard things that you're going to go through. Um, I think it's just really important to consider where you're at and, yeah, like, use some of these exercises. I think that, you know, also I always say to people who feel like they're being overwhelmed by a certain type of grief, to get involved in something that makes them feel a little bit less impotent, right? Um, you don't have to turn your grief into a mission, but you don't have to, you know, run an Ironman for cancer because your dad died of cancer. Like, you don't have to start a grief community like Modern Loss just because your mom died in a car accident. But I do think that grief can make somebody feel very impotent and overwhelmed. And it's an experience that carries a lot of, you know, lack of control. We don't have a lot of control when we're grieving. Um, but we do have control over some things, tiny things. And you have to figure out what can you control. So, Justin, like with your climate grief, can you get involved in some activism? Can you get involved in an organization and do something very specific, even if it's on a small scale, just to make yourself feel a little bit less impotent, you know? Um, I find that that helps me a lot, you know, like when I'm feeling overwhelmed, like say with the political cycle or whatever is going on in the world, I try and hang on to one thing that I can get involved in that is connected to that source of angst that makes me feel like I'm kind of counteracting it a little bit. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I feel like I've been doing every single thing that I possibly can of getting involved with the organizations and selling the actual, you know, CO2-free energy and using CO2-free energy when I can, solar electricity at uh, in California. So I, I'm just, uh, I, I guess I need to get the handbook and then 
take another step. But we're we're closing in on the hour here, so we got like thirty seconds left. I was going to give you an opportunity to say the last word, Rebecca. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's like amazing to connect with you, <laughs> and we're going to have to connect offline, off off air. Um, but yeah, people can find the Modern Moth Handbook wherever books are sold. It's sold everywhere. Uh, patronize your closest independent bookstore. I'm a big fan of indie stores. Now we got and 10 you seconds. Can find Modern Loss. What's that? 10, five seconds. Uh, Modern Loss everywhere. ModernLoss.com. All right. Coffee break. Thanks for joining.